How do you respond to news? Uh, sometimes we get uh, news and we've been expecting it and preparing for it. Uh, whether that's good news or bad news, sometimes it's something we've been longing for, something we've been hoping for. Uh, perhaps you've been uh, longing and waiting for the, the news that your, your son uh, will get married to uh, their, their girlfriend. So when they ring you up and say, we've got engaged, or where you get that invitation through the post, it's, it's delightful, it's wonderful, it's expected. It's still good news. It still uh, gets that response. On, on the sadder side of things, uh, sometimes we've been dreading, uh, hoping against hope that something will not be the case, kind of knowing it will come. Uh, sitting in the relative's room at the hospital with the doctor as they explain that there's, there's no more that they can do to prepare yourself to say goodbye to a loved one. It's not a surprise. It still hits you like a HDV and knocks everything out of you. Sometimes the news just surprises. Something that you've not expected. Couldn't have been there in your wildest dreams or in your worst nightmares. And there's the shock and the numbness and the confusion. If it's bad news. But also just the sheer delight and thrill when it's good news. When that unexpected phone call comes to say, we're having a baby. Oh, when that invitation drops through the post and you didn't even know they were engaged, but they're getting married and it's wonderful. And sometimes there's news and it's somewhere in between. We, we, we kind of are caught by surprise, but it is also something that we have been longing for and hoping for. Abraham in the Old Testament, very clearly, Abraham and Sarah are praying and they're hoping and they are seeking God for a child. But it's still a surprise when God says, you will have a son. Uh, and, and I think there's something similar in Luke chapter 1. Uh, there's this guy called Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And Zechariah serves as a priest in the temple. And I get the impression that they had longed for children. Uh, no doubt prayed and pleaded with God. Uh, no doubt with tears and fasting. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be happening. And I, I don't know if over the years they gradually become resolved to the fact that there would be no children for them that their family line would finish with them. Or perhaps the prayers have become less frequent and dried up. Or, or maybe they kept praying, but it had become a ritual without any real hope. 
as they got into old age. Uh, but one day an angel appears to Zechariah uh, and says, Zechariah, I've got good news for you. You're going to have a son uh, and he's got a special part to play in God's plan. Uh, and Zechariah's response is disbelief. This, this can't be possible is the, the, the sense of things. Uh, Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 verse 18 says, How can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And then the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God, verse 19. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Notice a couple of things there. Uh, notice first this, uh, that the main reason why Zechariah should believe is because of who is speaking. This is a messenger from God bringing a message direct from the Lord himself. That should be enough. God's word to us should be enough for us to believe. Uh, notice also as well the, the symmetry here. Uh, because you doubt what God says, because you're unable to hear, so the sign will be this, you will be unable to speak until you can speak from a, a place of real faith. Well, that's one reaction to news. Here's another reaction. It's a little while later. Uh, God's promise is being fulfilled. Elizabeth is pregnant. And then uh, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, uh, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel said to her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. <laughs> 
And and there's so much that we can pick up from that well-known account. Uh, But I want to focus specifically in on how Mary responds to the news and why. Uh, Notice that just like Zechariah, there's a, a response of fear, of shock. She's confused. She's disturbed. I think just the fact that an angel has shown up in a teenager's room is enough to cause fear and confusion. And she's disturbed. And and the words there, what exactly does the angel mean? Because at this stage he's not said a lot. Um in in verse twenty-nine. Uh, in verse twenty-eight he has simply said Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Oh, now, no, there's a source of confusion. Uh, and, and this says something really healthy about Mary and her humility. You are favoured. You are blessed. You are loved. God is with you. And there seems to be a sense of, well, how, how can that be? Why would God show favour to me? I, I don't deserve it. Uh, how can God describe me? In, how can the angel describe me in these, these grand terms? I'm just a young girl, not even married yet. I've, I've not had chance or time in my life to prove God. I've not been through any testing or trial or challenge yet. And so trying to work that out. And it's so important for us as we think about Mary to to get that. Because there has been a tendency through history to make this all about her and what she deserved that there was something special and wonderful about Mary, that she was in some way more godly and righteous and without sin, that that she deserved this role. But it's very clear from Mary's response that she didn't see herself like that. And nothing uh, in what the angel says to suggest that. That because... It is God's grace at work. It is God who chooses Mary, not because she is special or significant, but he chooses her out of his love and because of his great and wonderful plan. And and it's that. It's God's grace. It's God's love. It's God's choice that makes her favoured. She is favoured because she is chosen, not chosen because she is favoured. Well, the angel then starts to explain and to reassure her, don't be afraid. You don't need to be confused, upset, worried, anxious. I'm here to bring good news. 
Dann haben wir immer das Seil. Und dann he tells her what it means for her to have found favor with God, to be highly favored. Uh, like Elizabeth, she is going to have a, a child, a son. You'll name him Jesus. Uh, that, that name, um, echoing the name of one of the great heroes of the Old Testament, um, uh, the leader of God's people who brought them into the promised land, Joshua. Uh, that name means that God, that Yahweh saves, that he delivers. And so Mary is told that she's going to have a son with that name. Yahweh delivers. God delivers. The Lord saves. And then she's told amazing things about him. He will be great, mighty. Uh, he will also be called the son of the most high. That in some special and significant way, he will be God's son. Uh, and something incredible is going to happen. Uh, that the ancient throne of David is going to be restored. That, that, that there will be a kingdom of God's people again. Uh, that promises made to King David about one of his descendants reigning forever are going to be become true. And they're going to be fulfilled through her miraculous son. He will reign over Israel. His kingdom will never end. And this prompts further questions from Mary. Uh, no doubt there's fear, there's still confusion, but I want to suggest that even in her fear there is faith. Uh, and so the question is, is different to Zechariah's. Uh, Zechariah said... How can I be sure that this will happen? Can I be, can I believe you? Can I trust you? I'm not convinced. Mary says, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Now, the, the sense then, certainly the way that the angel responds suggests uh, that it's different. The sense there is, I'm ready to trust but wow, this is mind-blowing. I, I don't understand how this is possible. I, I know that with that, all kinds of, of questions. What are you asking of me? Uh, because Mary uh, is engaged. She's been promised in marriage to Joseph. But she, at this stage, as she says, is still a virgin. They've not consummated their relationship. And to do so uh, before the wedding would be sin. Is this a promise for further down the line? Is this something that she has to wait for, uh, like Abraham had to wait? Uh, are they to bring the, uh, the wedding forward? Uh, because the only kind of other way that she is going to get pregnant, if this isn't Joseph's baby, or if this is Joseph's baby before the wedding, is dangerous, it's going to bring 
accusation. It's going to bring rumour. It could destroy their marriage. It will bring shame. It could destroy, turn up her life upside down. It could even lead to her death. Because the death penalty for adultery was, was there. So she's asking how, with all the potential fear around that, and yet still with faith, how is God going to do this? Uh, and what does he require of her? And that's where the angel says, again, in effect, it's not down to you. All that is asked of Mary is, is trust. Because this is going to be something miraculous. God, through the Holy Spirit, will will do this. And of course, the fact that it will be a miracle, the fact that this isn't something down the line... The fact that she's not been asked to do something like persuade Joseph to bring the wedding forward. The fact that this will be a virgin conception. The fact that this will not be Joseph's baby. Mean that all of that potential anxiety, all of that risk, all of the possibility of shame, all of the danger of death will continue to hang over Mary. Perhaps there is greater reason for this young girl to be afraid. But how does she respond? I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. Mary's response is not to allow the fear to overwhelm her, not to doubt or to question, not to demand proof, not to demand anything of God through the angel. Her response is to believe, to accept, to trust. I started by asking, how do we respond to news, whether it's expected and anticipated, longed for or dreaded, or comes completely out of the blue? More important to the question of how we respond to news in general is how do we respond to news when it is God that speaks? How do we respond to God's word, to God's commands, to God's promises? There are specific things that God has promised with great certainty.
uh, God has promised us salvation, eternal life, a home with Christ forever. And there are things that come with that in terms of God's calling on our own lives and promises that he makes to us about what that means for us and expectations as well. And that promise of eternal life, that promise that Jesus is for you and me, is great and good news Uh, just as many of the things that we hear that God promises to us are good, uh, but also potentially turning our lives upside down, uh, coming with great risk and danger. Uh, for some of us, God's calling on our life, what God says to us, will mean that people will slander us, gossip about us. We will face shame. Uh, for some people, it even means risk of death. And certainly for each and every one of us, it is the call to take up our cross and follow him. So uh, there is death, uh, dying to self. How do we respond? Advent and Christmas remind us that we can trust God's promises. We can believe him, have faith in him, accept what he says and respond obediently. How will we respond? Will we respond like Mary? I am your servant and I trust you and long for these things to come true.